It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Work Cookie, our weekly gathering of IOs, HRs, recruiters, and one actor, as we try to make the world of work just a little bit better. Uh, We've got a special host with us uh, for the next four weeks. Lauren Offerman is with us. Uh, Hello, Lauren. Hello, Tom. Happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you because um, we're going to continue our discussion. We're going to look at unveiling pro-social, pro-bono IO psychology. What is it and why? And I'm really interested in that. But (laughs) to start with, could you maybe introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, absolutely. Um, So I am a third year IO psychology PhD student at Montclair State University, Uh, anticipated to defend my dissertation in spring of 2025. So one year left. Um, I'm also the current co-chair of the PSYOP pro-social committee. Uh, This is my second year serving as co-chair. Prior to that, I was just an attendee. Yes. So I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm very excited to talk about pro-social because I think it's so important. And it's it's a word that I think, it's one of those words we know what it means, but we don't know what it means, if that makes sense. I have no idea what it means. Okay. <laughs> Period. <laughs> That's okay. So from, from a broad perspective, pro-social work is basically referring to volunteer work or extra role For those of us in IO, we might know them as OCBs, um, organizational citizenship behaviors, if you're within an organization, um, and they basically benefit others or the society as a whole. And so particularly what the pro-social committee looks at is how do we get IO psychologists involved in this and helping maybe nonprofits or smaller businesses in their community to, to get in touch with the great work that we do and help them propel their work. Yeah, because they're doing great work. But once again, they might not have the resources to bring in someone like an IO psychologist. Um, So we know a little bit about, you know, what it is now. And I I think half of my acting career has been pro-social. I can now use that. (laughs) But can you tell us a little bit about the type of work that you're interested in doing and how this type of work um, can benefit an IO psychologist? Yes, absolutely. And the, you know, I, I actually brought up an article and I'll, I'll talk about hopefully getting it linked um, down below. Uh, but it was in organizational, um, industrial organizational perspectives, which is a PSYOP journal. And it was released last year and it was about IO psychologists and volunteer work. Um, this was Nancy Tippins um, and colleagues, and they basically highlighted five IO professionals who are doing this work. Um, But what I really love about the article, and particularly in the abstract, is they talk about how 
this might be charitable, um, you know, again, for nonprofit organizations, but the volunteers are also reaping some sort of intrinsic reward, right? It's not just that you're giving, giving, but you are also getting, you're also having the opportunity to acquire, um, and hone in on your skills. You're also getting the opportunity to learn from others. Um, so in a way, it sounds very unidirectional, but it is very bi-directional process. Um, mm -hmm. So some of the examples that have uh, been brought up for this service is increasing productivity within an organization, improving well-being of people, um, increasing level of engagement of the workforce, right? So this is these are not concepts that are new to organizational psychologists, but I think that we always look at them from a very corporate-minded perspective, and it doesn't have to always be such. Well, let me ask you, because with the Work Cookie podcast, we we have a number of students like yourself who are, you know, in grad school. Um, how's that going, by the way? <laughs> it's going well. I'm here. I'm surviving. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I'm in the trenches, but it's going well. Is it a great way to get your career established once you graduate to start looking at doing some pro bono work? I would say absolutely. Um, and there are some programs, some university programs that are actually putting together student-led organizations. Um, so I mentioned that I attend Montclair State University. We have a student-led um, consulting group and there is uh, you know, a professor who oversees it, but they are working with very real clients on very real issues. Uh, and that's something that they get to put on their resume. Uh, they get the experience. And I think it's a great way to not only get that experience, but yes, give back as well. Well, I'm interested in hearing from some of our panel here um, if they've done any pro-social work. Um, but for established biopsychologists and occupational people, what are the benefits? Why would they all of a sudden want to start working in the pro-social field? Oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to say a quick bit and then hand it on over. Um, if you think about other industries, right, like law or medicine, a lot of these other industries, it's it's kind of mandatory to do some sort of pro bono, pro social work, right? So particularly in what we do, like what makes us so different and, and why can't we apply the same principles? But um, I, I'd love to hand it over to Linda Ann. I see your hand is up. Let's go to you, Linda Ann. So you had said you wanted to know if 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 people had done pro-social work. And, you know, I've always been a big advocate of, of volunteerism. But one of the things when I <clears throat> went out on my own and wanted to get some experience and kind of perfect what I was doing and get some polish to it and so forth, uh, in Denver, <clears throat> the United Way has um, an aspect of it that's called uh, United for Business. And it works with individuals or people who are want to get into, you know, get off the ground with their business um, and need some expertise, whether it's marketing or, or accounting or human resources or whatever it is. And um, they set it up so that you work with them and there's certain goals and there's a certain time period that it needs to be done. But it, it's a really good way to um, share your expertise with people who really need it um, and have no idea of all the different aspects of their business and um, and get get some comfort and experience with what you're doing as well. That's a great idea. You know, I've, I've been to a lot of business incubators. I've never, you know, been to one that actually had that expertise with it. So that's a great add-on. Um, so thank you very much for that, Linda. And uh, Richard, let's go to you. 
So according to the APA in principle B, fidelity and responsibility, uh, psychologists strive to, to contribute a portion of their professional time for little or no compensation or personal advantage. So there is this, you know, expectation that as, you know, as part of our uh, respect for the community or part of, you know, being uh, within our business communities, within our, our uh, profession, you know, in the psychology realm, um, there is kind of this ethical expectation that we do, you know, give back to, to society, you know, so um, it's highly encouraged, certainly not, not mandatory, but uh, I, you know, I, I, I certainly enjoy, you know, volunteer for various different organizations for, you know, whatever, whatever you can lend your, your time and talents to, you know, go and do it. And we should also mention here at CBOC that if you're a mentor uh, for the groups that, you know, we do things like, give us a call, we'll have a chat with you for 45 minutes and, and give you any advice that we have. So it's nice to know that CBOC itself as an organization is doing some giving back as well. Um, have you had any experiences, Richard, that you'd like to share with us about giving back? Well, Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I did belong to um, a, uh, an association once uh, years ago where uh, it, uh, it was uh, we had a foundation, uh, the Laundry Cares Foundation. Um, I love that. I love those folks over there. We put uh, reading places in everyday spaces. So we basically turned the laundromat into a little um, uh, library for for uh, early childhood development. Um so, you know, we would go and do um, free laundry days and stuff like that at, in, at communities. So a bunch of the staff would go out and volunteer to 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 work some of those. And, it you know, we, we still, you know, you build up that goodwill to the point where people still remember, hey, I worked with you over at this event or I worked with you over at that event. So there's a little bit of, you know. The, the feel good stuff that happens, but it's also good for, you know, frankly, you know, on a selfish side, it's pretty damn good for networking. Excuse my language. This is a, this is a family place, but still it's good. <laughs> well, and that sounds like a great initiative as well. So congratulations on that. Uh, Dr. Matthew, let's go to you. To echo what Linda Ann and Richard were just talking about. Um, I also have had experience. In fact, I'm, I'm in the middle of a consulting project that is a po uh, pro bono um engagement with a networking uh not networking group and we're working with a local nonprofit. Uh, every year we take uh, about four or five local nonprofits, and uh, there's an application process they can go through they say hey we want to work on x y and z and we do what we can to, to create teams and we volunteer for that and it's a it's a wonderful way of building that community supporting that community um, there's value to the nonprofit. You know, some of the projects that we've done can bring in um, that expertise and that that development for you know leadership development, engagement, uh, structure, whatever it may be, conflict resolution, all sorts of different things that services that we can provide that may not necessarily be available in their budget, but if we can bring it to them at a pro bono way and say, hey, let's let's help you serve our community because these these are staples in our in our areas and kind of like what Richard was saying, the value to me that I get to learn with each one of these. I get to engage with new people. I get to network. I get to build new skills. I get to know my community a little bit more. It also, it gives me purpose. It gives me that meaning that says, this is wonderful. I have 
you know, I have a way to contribute to, to, to others and to serve others. And, and it's, it's part branding as well. The more that I'm out there working with them, the more that they're seeing my name and they're saying, you know, you helped us in this nonprofit here, my business over there might, might be interested in X, Y, and Z. Great. Let's continue the conversation. That's not my primary, not even probably a secondary intention, but it's interesting how that ripple effect can, can span that. The list can go on and on of all the benefits that you can get back and forth, but really, that pro bono work, it for me, it just it it excites me, it energizes me because it's it's serving the community. That's that's what we're here for, right? Yeah, and I really like the idea of you know taking this knowledge to a wider audience, you know, not just for business, for everyday life. Uh, Lauren, let's go back to you. Sure. Um, I I just want to know what I love that I'm hearing is why are we we know why would we gatekeep information we have, right? It's it doesn't always have to be for money. And, and that's kind of, if we were to say like, you can have my knowledge if you pay for it, or like you can have my knowledge if X, Y, Z, but why not pass it on for the benefit of others? Why not have others be able to learn from you and what you've been through and what you know? Um, I get to an extent, like there has to be, right. You, you, you get paid for your service. I get that, but that's not the end all be all. You know, there's so much more to life and there's so much more to learning and and sharing this knowledge. Um, so I just wanted to, to like point out that I loved hearing that from everybody so far. And, you know, one of the best ways to put yourself in the spotlight as an expert is to start by giving that information away because you always have more information in your back pocket. <laughs> Richard, let's go to you. Something that came to mind. Um, so I'm a I'm a band parent. Right. So I've got two kids in the band and a marching band. And if you want to see an organizational development project, go to a band competition with a bunch of parents where you have to do um, train them on what to do on the spot, ad hoc team development, go through the forming, storming, norming and performing in like five minutes. <laughs> you know, I, I always have have a really good case study. Anytime you get into, you know, something like that and, and it, you know, I, I'm using that as a, as an example, but, you know, if you have an opportunity to volunteer for, you know, coordinate an event or to volunteer for, you know, doing a, a even, even a food drive or something like that, right. To be able to put together a team, act together, act, you know, as a team together, um, do the, you know, all the prep and then the debrief afterwards, you know, that you Go and tell that to, you know, somebody else, uh, you know, that, pro you know, organizations spend a whole bunch of time and money to try to do that kind of stuff. But there's, there's some intrinsic motivation among the volunteers that doesn't exist all the time in the working world, you know, so yeah. um, there's, and there, there are studies on that. In fact, I, I wrote some stuff on, on my blog about it not too long ago, you know, but it's uh you know, I I think you get a lot out of it. So there's that that those, those uh, you know intrinsic rewards that you get. You know, but you can really put your your skills to use um, and kind of you know, if nothing else, you're practicing. <laughs> you know, for for what you could offer to other organizations. Right, and you know, it's so great to volunteer, especially now when you know the numbers are telling us that volunteerism is down across the board. So it's great to hear that uh, people who tune into this podcast are getting out there. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. Yeah. First, I want to say, Rich, I had two kids in the marching band, too. <laughs> totally 
totally spot on there. Um, but uh, I also had two kids who went through uh, the scouting program, and I was a leader there. That's another thing that requires so much. Uh, stuff. But I think one thing that we tend to 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 gloss over, and it's one thing that I discovered, you know, uh, actually in conversation with Jeremy when I retired from the military, is that you know when you really get steeped in I/O, it permeates everything, and so the oftentimes you're you're when you're doing stuff for others, you're using I/O whether you even consciously think about that, and so uh, I would encourage you know, volunteering anyway, because even if you're not volunteering, quote, as an IO, there's still always opportunities to to use that knowledge, to use the organizational knowledge, to use the knowledge about people and communications and all those other things that we learn about uh, in those in those ways. And and, you know, and just throwing out to the the recent grads and early career people, you know, I get it all the time, you know, on, on our in our pop-up events, we get all the time, you know, how do I find a job in I.O. with all of the experience and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, first, there are not a whole lot of jobs called I.O. But, you know, but then when you go out and you go, well, how do I get any experience in this? Nobody will hire me. I don't know anything. And it's like, well, you know, and everybody, especially coming out of college with a big debt hanging over your head, you want to get paid. I get it. I totally get it. I was there. And, but at the same time, you know, you get the job, any job, to pay the bills, and then you can do some pro bono stuff on the side, both as a feel-good, because, I mean, it does make you feel good. I mean, let's fix it. But then there can also be that little selfish aspect of it, too, to get some experience, because volunteer experience is still experience, and you can take that I.O. experience that you have gotten pro bono, and you can very much put that on your resume, and you can very much bring that up in interviews. And... You know, just because you didn't get a paycheck for it does not make it invalid. So, I mean, absolutely get out there, you know, share the knowledge. I mean, you know, anybody who's been to one of our one of our, you know, pop ups, you know, we do lots of that just among our own community, sharing knowledge, answering questions, you know, mentoring. And, you know, I mean, it never crossed my mind to charge anybody for anything that I give during that because, you know, I've been there. I was going alone when I got out, and I, I I want to pay that forward to not have other people go through that. So there are so many opportunities, even within our own community, to to do these things. Just keep giving back, Nick. Let's go to you. Yeah, it's you know kind of that you know. Do you do it because it's the right thing to do? Do you do it because you're getting the experience, or do you do it for all of the above? Um, you know, and I, you think that there are so many various ways that we can apply I/O in organizations. When you take it out of the realm of business and put it in community organizations, uh, churches, youth sports, scouting, all of the things we've heard, you know, where people come together for a common goal that's not producing widgets, that's not making a product or or whatever, that it's kind of an organic cultural development. And I've you know, been part of it several times and, and watched it go. And you want to see that in the business world, because I think what we're all trying to do is make the working world more comfortable and easier to work with um, for people. And when you take the examples of what's in the charitable space and apply it back to the business world, hopefully it makes a difference. But, you know, we talk about being able to just give the knowledge, give the knowledge, give the knowledge. Knowledge is sitting in libraries all across the country. Whether people use their library card to go get it, it's a different sort of thing. 
And where you can kind of take that second step is, okay, you have the knowledge, let me also show you how to apply it. And maybe that's where you take that step from, here, let me volunteer something. And that card in your back pocket is, I've seen it applied here, here, and here. Let's figure out what works for your organization and customize it. Love that. Linda Ann, let's go to you. So back to what what Lee was saying about, you know, helping them understand the the value of of what's being provided to them. <clears throat> I uh, communicated to the people I were was working with that was uh, in charge of administering the program, value it. And I would tell them, you know, if you were paying for this, this is my hourly rate. So it would tell them, you know, they had X number of thousands of dollars in services that where they were being given. And it's really important for them to understand that because when something's for free, people don't place as much value on it. And so when you can put a number to it, they understand, oh, this is, I can't waste this time. You know, it's something that I really need to value because if it was coming out of my pocket, I probably wouldn't be able to afford it. And um, and then it helps the organization really value their program. Plus they get to put, you know, that that um, they're actually getting services in kind from people as well, which helps them when they're looking for funding from, for example, governments. So. Great point. Richard, let's go back to you. Yeah, something that um, jumped out at me when Lee was talking about scouting, right? So I've been a scout leader for 18 years, something like that, and I'm a wood badger. And, um, you know, yeah, we're not making widgets, but we are making leaders of tomorrow, you know, and so there's... And it's not just the scouting program. There's a ton of other different programs out there, professional associations, um, you know, other membership organizations that you know, like like the folks at CBOC, you know, that that volunteered um, a bunch of their time to you know to to help the community out. Um, but you know, it's it we I, I don't know. I mean. I'm in my 40s right now, right? Erickson's life stages says I'm in this area of generativity, right? Where you want to pass down. Yeah, I've still got people chuckling like, oh yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> right. But you know, like we want to pass that, we want to pass down some of those the 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 knowledge, skills, and abilities that we've you know accumulated to, you know, to other generations. You know, it's just kind of this natural. Thing that we want to do and and you know giving back um it's with some time um and some of these leadership positions like you know again i'm a i'm a i'm a merit badge counselor right i get the opportunity to actually vet how much these scouts have put into learning some new set of skills and and, and all of that you know and and when you see that they have this this high degree of self-efficacy Man, my old brain is going, hey, great, this is fantastic. You know, so um, you know, that that I think there's there's a lot of opportunity for us as as IOs to be able to, you know, give similar treatment to other people what in, in whatever community you're keep sharing the good news. Uh Nick, let's go to you. Yeah, listening to, to Linda Ann speak, you know, talking about it can feel kind of I don't know, gross to say I'm gonna invoice this, you know, charitable organization I'm offering my services for. Um but there's a book that I've been reading and one of the central themes they keep coming back to is if you're going to do something hospitable, if you're going to give a gift or an experience, make it a good one. And I think by demonstrating here's the value that you're getting, 
one respects your own time and commitment to what they're doing and also allows them to see you know the gift that they that they are getting um and how they can apply it uh moving forward from there so i think that's kind of a mindset um that people can carry into these things um and one that i thought was worth sharing thank you very much for that nick alexander nice to see you again let's go to you nice to see you too i am going to take a perspective of volunteering is a really great way to help our branding issue with an IO psychologist to get people aware of what we do, our services, how much our value is. These are really great ways to also just start your own business, be able to build up those local communities aspects, be able to get references. So I think it's a really great spot for especially younger people coming in, get out there, start volunteering, help with the branding issue and help build a personal brand for yourself. Let's make the brand really out there. I like that. Dr. Matthew, let's go to you. Both Linda and and Alexander hit exactly what I was going to talk about when, you know, you're uh, even though you're not sending them the invoice, knowing what that monetary value that you would have maybe charged to a for profit corporation. Sometimes, oftentimes we'll have members of our community, we'll have different nonprofits that say, can you make a donation? Can you donate? I if it, if if I could wave a magic wand, I'd be writing checks to every nonprofit that I love and say, "What's the dollar amount you need? Here you go." But the reality of it is, my my resources are limited to where I don't always have that capability. And when organizations, nonprofits have visions, we need to do X, Y, and Z because our impact in the community, uh, you know, needs it or whatever it is. Okay, you know what? I can't write you a check, but here's what I can do. Here's the here's the uh, I/O side that I can bring, whether it's as a board member or just as that external person that comes in for a few weeks and says, "How can I help? What's going on here?" And then bringing that value, all of a sudden, I didn't write that check, but I gave them hopefully a lot of resources like that check would do to be able to then go and build on their own. And and that branding piece, you're absolutely right, Alexander. It's branding not just our ourselves as as I/Os, but that community. All of a sudden, people are going, "Wait a minute." What's this IO I've never heard of? Some guy came in and brought this stuff to us. Tell me more. Where can I find out more? And before you know it, that snowball starts to grow a little bit and a little bit. And we as a community have this reputation of here's the value that we can bring. I like that a lot. Lauren, let's go back to you. I'm so happy that Alexander brought that up um, because I like... (sighs) Sometimes we have to take ourselves out of our bubble, right? We all have a bubble. We have multiple bubbles. And... As IO psychologists, it's easy for us to say, of course, people need our services. Why wouldn't you need our services? Um, but if you take a step outside of that bubble and you speak to somebody on the street or you know someone at the coffee shop and say, I'm an IO psychologist, they're going to be like, oh, so like you counsel people within the workplace? No, no, like, no, no, no. (laughs) Um, So being able to clarify what it is that we do do and the services we can provide and, and yes, what we do overlaps with a lot of other areas of the business, Um, but we can take a different perspective. We can take a different spin. And so being able to educate folks on what it is that an organizational psychologist, an IO psychologist, a business workplace, however you want to call it, um, you know, there's so much value there, but there's such limited knowledge. And I'll take it even down all the way to the PhD and student perspective, I'm going to volunteer my time on Sunday to do a PhD open house. I talk to to students all the time about what I do. I talk to my students who are clinical psychologists about what I do, because if I can spark interest or tell them this is applicable to you, no matter what field you go into, 
right? You will work in an organization. And so to understand the behaviors and the reasons why people act the way that they do or things are the way that they are is so invaluable. Um, so truly the part of getting the brand out there and understanding what it is that IO does, I think is huge. Um, but what I do want to ask everyone here is we keep saying getting into it, getting into it. How do you get into it? For someone who doesn't know how, like how, how do you get into pro bono and pro social um, for those of you who have experience? Well, I think Alexander might have some experience. Let's go to you. <laughs> so I do this in multiple ways. I'm since I come from IT, I do a lot of IT volunteering work. I also do the IO volunteering work. You just talk to people. I'm not opposed to code calling companies or organizations and just, hey, here's what I can do. Do you have a need for me? And see what they say. Worst they can do is say no. Well, you know, with that in mind, I'd, I'd love to ask you because as I'm thinking, and we've been talking mostly about nonprofits, but if you're an IO psychologist who wants to work with a specific organization, couldn't you go to them and go, hey, this is what I do. I'll do this pro bono. And if you like the results, hire me. Correct. Yeah. Sometimes, especially when I hear about companies that are having like some type of board issue, just call them up and be like, hey, here's my skills. Not going to charge you. Do you want help? And then you might get a client. You have a problem. I have a solution. I like that. <laughs> Dr. Matthew, let's go to you. So speaking from my experience, I was uh, fortunate enough to come across uh, groups that do the um, that do nonprofit um, pro bono work through different networking groups that I've joined. So just like we have CBOC here, uh, there's other groups that I've joined that one of their initiatives is this community consulting project, and they and and getting involved in that opened that door for me and opened those connections. Big big dream here of mine. Someday I would love to bring that to CBOC, and CBOC has a wing that or a a section that does pro bono or pro social work and can offer that experience to the students that are that are listening and the students that are engaging with CBOC that say, where can I get started? Right here. Let's build it here. Well, I'm sure when Jeremy listens to this podcast, he'll probably jot that down. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. I mean, it's it it's not a bad introduction to how going out and and getting actual paying business. You know, it's it's kind of the same process. Identify where you're where you're passionate. Really, what's what's that thing that feeds your soul? Because that's the thing that's going. You're going to be most authentic and convincing, and and um, best at doing. Really, for the most part, when I worked for uh, volunteered for uh, United for Business initially, and it was right around uh, COVID, so that was always fun for everybody. Uh, but they were in transition with the person who was administrating. I had to pursue them for a year to get in to do their volunteering. And, and so it it's not something that, you know, everybody's just got their hand out. You have to put in a little bit of effort to make sure that you're matching yourself with something that you really want to do and that you're a good fit for. And maybe don't be worried about rejection because they could turn you down a couple of times before they go, you know what? <laughs> okay, we'll try you out. Um, Richard, let's go to you. Um, there are some organizations like the Taproot Foundation where you can sign up to do pro bono work, right? So there are some actual structured organizations that do placement essentially, you know, for for that type of stuff. Um, I'd argue though that I mean you don't even have to always go as far as having, you know, a 
formal organization, you know, sometimes just during networking, you find somebody who is in need of something that you can, you find a need and you fill it, you know, and, you know, it's, it's the, I guess, in a way, the giver's gain philosophy, but, you know, sometimes you just feel like, you know, there's this, this moral and ethical um, call, you know, to, to, you know, give a brother or sister a hand, you know, so at at the same time, caution. <laughs> I'm going to give you a word of caution on that, though, from, from experience of, of doing this for, you know, a couple of decades now. Um, you know, there's also this, you know, branding of, you know, letting, you know, doing doing that kind of stuff for everybody. You know, we have a value that we that we give too, you know, and 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 we have um even ethically, even in those those ethic uh guidelines, right? We have a value that we should be fairly compensated for. Um what you know when we are giving value to uh, you know somebody that that you know can't afford that. So just be cautious, you know, as you as you as you go through this. But uh again, you know, givers gain. So and I, I imagine going to networking events, you know, where businesses meet other businesses would actually, I, mean, I know I've gone to a number and it's all people looking to sell, <laughs> no buyers, but usually you will meet a lot of people who have problems. So are those networking type of events sort of good places to go and see what's out there? Well, I mean, what, a lot of the networking events that I've been to, you know, whether it's a chamber of commerce or so for some association, or even if it's one that's kind of ad hoc, oftentimes that organization needs some help, you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, setting things up or promotion. Oftentimes I get called on the promotion side because of my marketing experience, but, you know, uh, that, that type of stuff, um, uh, can, uh, you know, it, it really just is like, is there anything I can do to help? And usually the, the heads start to nod, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, you know, it, I, I, I think networking events can yield some good things, um, you know, on that front for sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. Nick, let's go back to you. Yeah, thinking of some of the, the cautionary things that can happen. I mean, it's easy to get swept up in the feel good of I'm giving, I'm doing the right thing. But so quickly, as Rich mentioned, you, you can get taken advantage of fairly quickly. Um, you know, and I think when we talk about, all right, well, I'm going to volunteer the time and I'm going to develop this, you know, leadership model based on what I'm trying out here. Uh, ethically, I think we have to remember if we're conducting an experiment or developing anything, we have to get consent and and make sure that all the the things are in play that, you know, would have to pass the next ethics board in the community or that you just feel good about before you publish or or share those results um, because you are still dealing with people, um, whether there's less proprietary issue or not. Thank you for that. Uh, LaDan. So one thing that, that it's important to understand is there's an association for everything, like literally everything you can imagine. And Often, if you go to the website and and hit on the about or whatever, there will be opportunities for volunteering. And like I just looked up, like there's an association of consultants to nonprofits. Okay. And so you can look and see if there's, I'm just trying to find it now, volunteer opportunities. And so there you go. And so just go to websites, even if it's an organization that you really are interested in. But in the about section, there will be in very, very frequently opportunities to volunteer. It's good to know that. 
Lee, let's go to you. You know, one thing, you know, we all know how, how the endless project goes. So, you know, the, if you're going to do some kind of a short-term thing, if you're volunteering, I mean, if you're just a volunteer, you know, like like Rich, you know, 18 years, in this, you know, with BSA, you know, and I did, you know, similar, you know, that was a, that was kind of an open-ended thing. But if you're going to an organization and you're going to do some form of project, you know, make sure it's clearly defined, you know, because scope creep is real, my friends. And so, you know, put parameters on it. You know, because, I mean, nobody wants to be the Scrooge and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, your time is valuable. And so put some parameters on it. OK, you know, put up a, an agreement of some sort. Look, I'm going to I'm going to work on this project. It's, you know, the the anticipated time frame is this. You know, these are our milestones. You know, treat it like a normal project and, and, you know, and put a definition of done. And then when you're done, stop. You know, and if you want to do another project, great. That's another project. But don't let the. You know, don't let it become the project that never ends, uh, you know. And also, you know, remember the difference between uh, all the little Zoom things are killing me. Uh, <laughs> remember the difference between, you know, intentional charity and unintentional charity. So when you get out there to do paid work, don't give it away. You know, charge what you're worth when you do that. I mean, I've heard other, you know, I've heard consultants say, you know, I went in on my on an earth thing and I kind of lowballed and I got stuck in this contract making, you know, half what they should have been making or something. You know, business is business. They will absolutely take advantage of you. So, you know, when it's pro bono, make it pro bono. When it's not, don't let them take advantage of it. Just make sure that volunteer position doesn't become your full-time job. Thank you very much for that, Lee. Alexander, let's go back to you. I think this is a great time to talk about those invoices again. When you set this amount of time, I'm giving you this amount of hours, let's say five hours, and it has this time frame that it's good for. After that time frame on this invoice, those hours aren't going to be free anymore. It's a really great way to say, here's the time I'm getting. If you want this project and it's going to still go beyond this, here's going to be that hourly rate. And we can talk about bringing me on as a client or you guys as a client, however you want to say it and move forward with that. That's a really great way to just cut it off at the knees beforehand and expectations are set. Uh, you might know this, Alexander, but if you're working for a charitable organization, volunteering, you know, in that approach, can you get a tax receipt for your time? I do believe you can technically write it off. I have never tried, um, but I believe, yes, there is tax benefits for both sides of that. I'm an actor. It's always about what kind of tax credit. <laughs> Lauren, let's go back to you. I think these are really great points. And we need to remember that even taking on a pro bono client, they're still a client, right? And they're going to treat you like a client treats you. So in their mind, you have all the time in the world for them. Um, and so making sure that it is explicitly clear as well that the amount of time that you have, you are volunteering said time and you have other responsibilities that are your priority responsibilities. Um, so although they may not be a paying customer or they're paying at a reduced rate, you still have to treat them like any other client that you would be working with. And that includes everything we've discussed from scoping and invoicing and expectations. I think that's very important. Um, particularly for your long-term relationship as well, right? For that networking part, because you want to have a good experience and you want them to have a good experience. And in order for that to happen, there has to be some parameters set 
Um, I'm interested to know if anybody here, so let's say someone hears this podcast and they're like, I know who would benefit from this. How can a local organization or a nonprofit seek us out, right? So we know we can go networking and we know how to go find people, but is there any way or any tips that, that anybody has here for others to find us? Well, while people are thinking about that, I, there's something I want to ask you because we've talked about the nonprofit sector and we've talked about pro bono and pro social work to get involved with organizations. But whenever we don't talk a lot about our municipalities, and I'm not so much worried about, you know, the major cities because they have budgets and, you know, they do training all the time. But, you know, especially a lot of us originally come from smaller communities, small towns. Um, and those, you know, type of municipalities, they don't have the resources to, you know, go out and get an IO psychologist. Most of them don't even know what an IO psychologist is. And, you know, having worked for a few, um, I like to call them functionally dysfunctional because uh, <laughs> the work gets done, not always pretty. So what about reaching out to municipalities? Is that a good option as well? I'll, I'll jump in. I don't see why not. I mean, truly... I think if you keep the perspective of I have this knowledge and information and I'm willing to share it, that could go from someone who's considering an IO psychology degree all the way up to you don't know I exist. But as you said earlier, Tom, if there's a need, fill it. Right. Um, and if you feel that there could be a need reach out and say, hey, you know, I, maybe you live in the town. I live in this town. I I love these aspects and I'd really love to also contribute and give back to my community and here are the services that I can provide for you. Um, my philosophy is the worst anyone's going to say is no. And then you're in the same place as you were before when really you're also offering them a benefit. So they're in the same place as before. Um, so yeah, I would say put yourself out there and and definitely, definitely ask. Thank you very much, Richard. Let's go to you. Sorry. Sorry for the dead air. Okay. So anyway, um, <laughs> so I've, I've belonged to, um, you know, not necessarily municipalities, but the chambers of commerce belonging to those municipalities, right? That's one thing. That's one way, you know, you can certainly, um, you know, find opportunities for both business and for volunteerism, right? Um, they, a lot of them have, after hours networking events that they need help to coordinate and put together they have golf outings that they need somebody to you know sit at the holes and do that kind of stuff you know and and it's a good way to you know meet other people but you're still giving back um but economic development um uh portions of the government um you know your your local government uh are are actually not bad people to to get to know um because they might if they might not have uh, something for you to do, but they, they usually they know somebody who needs something, you know. So they're they're oftentimes tied into your local Easter seals or you know other other types of um, you know organizations. I only say that because you know I've 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 had that. I, I live in the Chicago Southwest suburbs, so you know there's just a whole bunch of little communities around this big old you know metropolis here. So um, it's uh, they're still kind of be choosy though. Because quick story, I used to own a sign company and I used to belong to every chamber and held some board seat <laughs> for probably about eight chambers at any given time. You know, so you can uh, spread yourself pretty thin uh, and get carried away with it. You know, so just just be careful. 
you know, and, and I, don't know, I don't know if it's happening down in the States, but I'm, what I'm seeing up here in Canada is that uh, municipalities are actually putting together speaking opportunities for people like IO psychologists to come and talk to businesses in the community, just helping, trying to help those businesses develop. So contact your local municipality and see what's out there. Alexander, back to you. So I do want to kind of bring up something from my aspect of working as a fractional or virtual chief information officer. You do want to be quite kind of clear on your legal liabilities and understand those very importantly when you start doing this work. Um, certainly for us within cybersecurity, we can get into trouble very quickly depending on how we position ourselves and our recommendations. Um, you need to be very careful that you're not making active choices for the company, but really doing that consulting work at most of this. Um, so that's one thing that I do want to kind of give a strong recommendation of advice for people to look into and understand before they start trying to jump in there. Thank you very much for that. Really good point. Lee, over to you. Yeah, you know, just to, to piggyback off what Alexander uh, said, you know, just because it's voluntary to, does not mean there's no liability. So be very, very careful uh, what you promise. You know, documentation is always good if you're doing an actual project. I mean, when you get involved with a, with an organization, most of the time they have volunteer agreements. I mean, you're signing stuff, um, you know, and just, you know, anecdotally, I mean, in, in my hometown, uh, we had a church that had a member donate lights from his lighting company to light up the parking lot. And then they sued him when the lights started going out. And it turns out, the bulbs were just burning out because that happens, but they still sued the guy for free lights. And so, you know, that's, you know, and if that can happen, you don't think that they can come back on us at some point. So, I mean, you know, that's why you really have to think, you know, you think through it just because it's voluntary, just because you're not getting paid does not mean there doesn't need to be, uh, you know, paperwork and liability considered because you are still providing a professional service. And, you know, in, in many of these cases, which can come back around. So just, uh, and and by, by no means am I trying to discourage anyone from doing this work because it's very important and I think you should, and it's a great way to get the brand and your name and all these things out there. But, um, you know, what they say about uh, prevention being better than a cure, uh, just do your, do your due diligence on the front end, do the work, and then, uh, you know, everybody feels better at the end. I would guess he's no longer a member of that church. <laughs> Here you go. Richard, over to you. Yeah, I I totally echo that. <laughs> that you you have uh you, you know ethically um and oftentimes legally, you have um you know whatever whatever you're practicing in, you know, you are you are bound to uphold the same professional standards, right? But but the other but really what I wanted to chime in on was uh another place that you can go. Um, to get found um, is some of your local colleges and academic institutions that have, um, you know, those places that, that have like SCORE um, or small business um, development offices. Those are, you know, you'll find those at a lot of your community colleges or your state colleges, you know, those types of things. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's worth it to, you know, make some effort to talk to some of those folks too. Particularly if you want to get like speaking events and uh, you know, st stuff like that, which I guess that's a different topic. But I'm I'm personally trying to work through that that system myself. So if anybody has any <laughs> any advice, I'm all ears. But uh, um, certainly, you know, talk getting connected to those uh, resources is is a good idea. 
Yeah, you know, even institutions that might not have IO psychology departments, but if they've got a psychology department, as Lauren was saying, you know, talking to those potential graduates and just informing them about the field uh, is incredibly beneficial. So thank you very much for that, Richard. Linda Ann, let's go to you. Yeah, I strongly recommend um, anybody who's working with any entity that you have some kind of professional liability insurance. It's not that expensive. And um, and sometimes they'll ask you for your insurance cert. Uh, but I strongly recommend that you go ahead and look into um, making sure that you have that coverage. It's it's kind of those, you know, prevention is uh, now it's a prevention situation uh, because it's hard to know whatever what situation you're walking into and um Kindness is always rewarded with kindness, you know. Very, very, very true. Uh, Lauren, let's go back to you. We've, we've got about nine or 10 minutes left here. How are we doing? I mean, I think we're doing good. I see Dr. Matthew threw, he had his hand up and then he came down. Now it's back up. Um, and, and I want to remind everybody here, this is the first of four sessions we're going to be talking about this. So we're going to get you know, we have opportunities to get more in depth and I, I very much look forward to it because um, it sounds like there's a lot to be provided here. Um, I'm going to come back to you in a second, but Dr. Matthew, let's go to you first. Tom, you had asked a question a little bit ago that I, I have been thinking about that answer and, and it's been kind of resonating and saturating. You asked, how do how do organizations find that that pro bono work? If you're Whether you're a nonprofit or a for-profit, whatever it may be, how do you find that? And as I, I was thinking about that, I tried to put myself in their shoes. And I've had experiences working with different groups where I'm going, man, we really need help with X. Where do we find that? And so taking that perspective and bringing it back to where do organizations find us, a lot of that is on that responsibility comes back to us with our branding, not just um, individually, but the organizations with which we are you know, networking and connected, but also the industry and taking that that initiative to brand ourselves in a way that that really highlights that value so that when those organizations are having those conversations they're not just going to the phone book and looking for who's a consultant and you know the, out of the blue they're going you know what i i heard on work cookie that linda ann was doing some great work on this and that lee was doing some great work on that i got to get in touch with those people that all comes back to that branding it's how we get our message out in across different mediums and different platforms to really say, here's what we do and here's the value that we bring. I think every CEO and business owner should be listening to the Work Cookie podcast and getting their advice. Um, so, and then contact some of us. Uh, Lauren, let's go back to you because we've had a great conversation and here you are a student and you've got to do things like research papers and thesis work. Um, any documentation or anything um, we can look forward to in the future that you might be working on? Sure. Um, so I actually, I just published in, um, in response to the article that I brought up earlier uh, with my, my colleagues and my professors um, about getting IO into colleges and universities. Um, as I briefly stated earlier, <clears throat> Montclair State has a student-led organization. It's called Eagle IO. Um, and we just want to see initiatives like that put into the college curriculum, if you will, because that's really where it starts, right? It's great that professionals and established people can can get into pro bono with IO, but 
we want to start it as early as possible because that's where the growth is going to happen and it's going to spread. Um, and so we also wrote a little bit about how um, professors can can put it into their classrooms as well and mentioning, simply mentioning that it's an option to get into pro bono or hear organizations to reach out to who focus on organizational, you know, pro bono, that that's all it takes. It, it truly is word of mouth, speaking organically, speaking authentically. Um, so yes, we did have, we had a paper out already at the end of last year. Um, stay tuned because I've got so much more um, in terms of mental health, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you too, because there's, you know, there are um, undergrad students who listen to the Work Cookie podcast who may be studying psychology and they've discovered this thing called IO psychology. So what what has that journey as a student been like for you? Uh, so definitely as a student, it is allowing yourself to be inspired by your professors. Um, and I say that because as I mentioned, I, I teach a lot of clinical psychology, students who want to go into counseling, students who, but but I'm an IO psychologist, you know? Um, and simply speaking about it opens up their minds and they didn't know it was an option. Uh, and a lot of students in undergrad feel the pressure to need to know what they want to do now. And everything they do has to get them to that point, but it's okay to pivot. It's okay to have an open mind. It's okay to, you know, take the risk, um, take the IO psych class, even if it's not required, take a dabble, you know, you never know. Um, so I think really being open-minded, being open to what your professors are saying and knowing that it is truly for your benefit um, and not the benefit of them is, is going to take you a long way. And are there any um, programs that you would recommend? You know, this university's got a good one. I'm assuming, you know, Montclair State, you're going to recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's still a very new field, I would say. Um, Michigan has a great program. Uh, Montclair State, Rutgers has a program. Um, let's see. You have to also take a look. It's not, as you mentioned, um, Tom, it might not be explicitly stated that it is an IO psychology program. They might call it work psychology. They might call it business psychology. Um, and ooh, Leeds University, Alexander is saying, for anybody who's in the UK. Um, but also looking at business programs. And I know it's not something you would consider because it's about the psychology side, but a lot of business programs are also starting to adopt IO psychology um, and, and weaving it into their programs. So sometimes you really have to look. It's not as explicitly stated as we would hope, but I think that's part of getting the brand out there and, and just bringing light to what we do. I agree 100%. So thank you very much for that. Um, just a couple of minutes left. Um, any other questions out there today? Any experiences someone would like to share with either working for a nonprofit or giving back to the community? Yes, hello, Nick. Let's go to you. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, we think about, you know, getting in as we talk about our bubble and our kind of tunnel vision when we're getting into in charitable spaces doing this, there's ways we can collaborate with partners in other fields of psychology where we can reach out to the the MBAs and really start to to open that dialogue and, and network deeper into everything that's there. So if we're taking the, you know, availability to be generous giving in that pro-social space. We can also advance the relationships between other fields and collaboration, which is, I know, a discussion we've had several times on this podcast as well. Great point. Linda Ann, over to you. I just want to encourage everybody to take the leap and go ahead and 
take a stab at doing some pro bono work. And whether it was when I was teaching or doing my doing volunteer work, I always come away with as least as at least as much as I've given. Yeah, it, volunteering is such a great way to get something back. <laughs> It really does make you feel good. Um, we've got some more events coming up. We've got the IO Psychology Job Seeker Meetup that is on February the 5th from 6 to 7 p.m. And then, uh, you, Lauren, you're going to be back next week. And I think we're going to be talking about voices from the field, pro-social, pro-bono, IO Psychology in action. You want to give us a little preview of that? Yes, I would love to give you a little preview. And I would like to just... Um kind of prep you guys as well. Uh, we want to hear your stories. You know, we want to hear those stories of start to finish, not just, uh, I've done a little of this. I want to hear, how did you get there? How did it go? What came out of it? I want to hear the good. I want to hear the bad, right? Because it's not always going to be positive. And I think we touched upon that a little bit here. Um, so today was more an overview of pro-social NIO. The, the subsequent sessions will be taking a deeper dive into that. That sounds great. Uh, Linda Ann, your hand's still up. Do you have more? Oh, nope, she doesn't. Okay, great. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for attending and reminder to everyone who's listening to the Work Cookie podcast to uh, take a moment and come visit us at cboc.com and check out um, all the resources that are there, not only for IO psychologists, but for anybody who's interested uh, in the work that these wonderful people do. Uh, so thank you very much, Lauren. Great show today. Thank you for bringing your expertise and sharing that with us. Uh, best of luck as you continue as the student. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm uh, going to be very interested to see what happens when you graduate and how fast you climb the ladder. Um, and with that said, we'll see everyone back here in one week's time. All right, we'll count you out in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com.